This podcast is a presentation of UCTV.TV, University of California Television. Like what you learn? Help others discover UCTV podcasts by leaving a comment or rating in your podcast app. I am very excited for this afternoon to start us off. We have our next speaker, Andy Judson, who will speak on conservatorship reform in California moving forward. Ms. Judson is an investigative journalist at ABC 10 who reported on California's conservatorship system in a multi-part series called The Price of Care. She was honored for the series in a, as a transparency champion by the Society of Professional Journalists of Northern California. In the disability world, solutions of the past often become the problems of the future. The Britney Spears case made many of us aware that abuses of the conservatorship system are possible, but Ms. Judson's reporting drove home the point that the conservatorship system is in need of deep reform. And because of journalists like Ms. Judson shedding light on abuses, we've made some really good progress as healthcare providers, regional center staff, and staff of the Department of Developmental Services, we are bound by confidentiality. We're also charged with helping our patients and clients navigate complex situations where people's health and safety are often at risk and things aren't always what they seem. We also know that there's information in confidential records that journalists don't have access to and that we're not at liberty to disclose. Ms. Judson's reporting brings up very important questions and issues that are important for us to reflect upon. And I'm really grateful for Ms. Judson's role in vividly highlighting the problems in our conservatorship system and something that's something that those of us who are bound by confidentiality are not well positioned to do. I'm even more grateful for the conservatorship reform legislation that Governor Newsom signed after her coverage. And I'm grateful for the work that the California Department of Developmental Services is doing to review policies and existing conservatorships in response to the investigation and the legislation. That work is going to help us learn from our past and find better solutions for our future. Please welcome Ms. Judson. Thanks so much for that introduction. Let me share my screen here. Um, my name is Andy Judson. I'm an investigative reporter with ABC 10 in Sacramento, California. Nearly three years ago, I received a one-line email that said, I have a story for you. Call me. It sounds like either the start of an adventure or a horror film. But what it was the start of was a massive investigation. It was from a woman named Lisa Saul, whose mother was under a conservatorship. Now, this was pre-Britney Spears, where a lot of people learned about conservatorship for the first time. And at that time, I didn't even know what a conservatorship was. But what I like to say is my bread and butter is breaking down big systemic issues to make them digestible for an audience. And since my station is based in the state's capital, we often cover issues that impact the entire state of California. And that's exactly what happened with conservatorships. So since that one line email, we've been investigating California's conservatorship system, which resulted in two five episode seasons. So 10 episodes altogether that total to over three hours of content. 
Now, Lisa was a source in that first season of the investigation, but what I'm going to talk about today is season two, as you can see on the screen, called The Price of Care Taken Up by the State, which focuses on limited conservatorships for people with developmental disabilities, which is actually the population that makes up the vast majority of those placed under conservatorship. Now, our investigation exposed alarming practices and uncovered abuse happening within California's conservatorship system. We held the state agency entrusted in protecting people with disabilities rights accountable, and our work has been credited for helping reform the conservatorship system and pass new laws. Now, before I get into talking too much about conservatorships, I wanted to introduce our team. Our investigative team is called the ABC 10 Originals because we're committed to creating original investigative work that helps our audience and creates change. We do work unlike any other newsroom in the country because we dedicate months and years to our reporting on even a single story or subject. A typical news package is 90 seconds, a minute 30. And the first episode of our investigation was half an hour to kind of Compare the two. And we aired that first episode in full on television commercial free, which is really unheard of in the news industry. So we really believe in the work that we're doing. And while I'm the one in front of the camera, this type of work would not be possible without every person's hard work and dedication on our team. So I'm just going to quickly introduce them. To the right of me, we have our executive producer and fearless leader, Gonzalo Magana. Below me, we have Sabrina Sanchez, who's a researcher and a producer on our team who dug into all the different things for me. To the right of her, we have Rory Ward, who's a photojournalist and producer. To the right of him, Mike Bennell, a producer as who goes through all of the scripts and vets everything. And then to the right of him at the bottom right there, we have Tyler Horst, who's also a photojournalist and producer. So with that, um, these are just our direct team members. We also have our management team and legal team involved in every part of watching, vetting, and ensuring we reported in the most fair, accurate, and ethical way. Now, as I mentioned, most people learned about conservatorships because of Britney Spears, but we actually began investigating this legal tool long before Spears made headlines. This is a timeline of how long our investigation has gone on for now and when other coverage of conservatorships arose in the media. Now, as you can see, our investigation has those gray boxes around the important timestamps of them. We began our investigation in May 2020, about nine months to a year after we saw the Netflix film I Care A Lot come out. And then we really saw the beginning of the Britney Spears coverage. And you can see through that timeline, the majority of press coverage has been about Britney Spears. And while we aired our first season of our investigation in the middle of it there, kind of at the bottom, which was interesting timing. But most of that conservatorship coverage ended after Spears's conservatorship was terminated in November 2021. But our last season came out almost a year later in August of 2022. But Britney Spears is just one example of a person out of hundreds of thousands that are impacted by conservatorships known as guardianships in other states. And I'll never forget, you know, I was kind of curious, why is it so much focused on Britney Spears? And I had a probate attorney I was working with on this investigation say, well, grandma isn't sexy. So she said this because conservatorships are mainly enacted for two populations of people the elderly as well as people with disabilities. And why our investigation at ABC 10 is different from all the other coverage of conservatorships is that mainly focused on Britney Spears was that we dug into how the system operates and met and worked with dozens of people who are under conservatorships or impacted by it to shine a light on the system that operates mainly behind closed doors in, in the dark. 
Now, before I dig into our investigation's findings, I'm going to start off with a quick explainer of how California's conservatorship system works. First of all, for those who aren't familiar with conservatorships, I put the definition up here at the top. It's a legal tool that allows a third party, oftentimes a family member, to care for a person who's unable to care for him or herself. Now, while it's called a conservatorship in California, in other states, it's commonly known as a guardianship. And us calling it a different name isn't the only thing that makes California's conservatorship system unique. In fact, while most other states clump everyone under one type of conservatorship, California has designed a system that has different types of conservatorships based on the needs of the person who's being conserved. Now, as I mentioned, I've been investigating conservatorships for years now, which has resulted in us producing two different seasons. The first season focused on general conservatorships, which is typically for the elderly who might be losing capacity in their older age. General conservatorships strip someone completely of all their civil rights for both personal and financial decisions and gives them to another person. While season two of our investigation focused on limited conservatorships, which is what I'm going to be discussing today, limited conservatorships are designed specifically for those with developmental disabilities. And this conservatorship has seven powers listed there at the bottom of the slide. And these specific powers can be taken away and given to the conservator based on the individual's needs. So perhaps for someone, they take away the medical decisions and the ability to enter contracts, who is maybe more independent in other functions, who has friends and enjoys spending time with them and choosing who to spend time with and can continue to maintain that freedom, but maybe needs assistance with more specific contractual and medical things. Um, the limited conservatorship system really sounds great from the outside, but as we dug in, our investigation found it's not operating the way it should. So here's a look at the price of care taken by the state through our investigative trailer. Conservatorships, brought to light by Britney Spears, but impact thousands of people every day. A photo was sent back to us. His socks rolled up, duct taped, boxing gloves, taped to his arms in a newspaper saying this is the date. It's almost like he was held hostage, like in, in the 21st century. And taking some with disabilities from their families. Where's my son? Is he alive? Is he dead? I don't know. N nobody would tell us. object to the media being in these proceedings. If I could have predicted this, we would have left the state of California. And this person that was meant to represent him failed. Our two-year investigation found a deeply broken system. A billion-dollar department is going to be a conservator of an individual and care for them. It is a farce. Hurting the very people it's promised to protect. If I had done this autopsy, um, I would have classified this as a homicide. We demanded answers. Ms. Nixon, we have no a couple of questions no, for you. No comments. And gave a voice to the unheard. I terribly miss my mom. I didn't want to be conserved. This is shameful. It's shocking. This is the price of care taken by the state, a five-part ABC 10 Originals docu-series. 
So that's a little look into our investigations findings. And as you may have guessed, I can't fit all of our investigations findings into this presentation. So I'd really encourage those watching to take the time to watch the entire investigation, all five episodes of season two, to really see our findings and understand our reporting process. But I wanted to focus on these six points as I felt is a good look into how California's system is broken, letting down those it's supposed to protect. Now, for all five episodes of our second season, and we focused on a different story of an individual by California's conservatorship system, and some of them are pictured here. We also spent hundreds of hours obtaining and reading court documents, including confidential assessments, court investigator reports, and medical records. We worked with system insiders, experts, and advocates to find really alarming patterns and discrepancies within the system. So let's dig into these first three findings. Known as DDS, the Department of Developmental Services is funded by taxpayer money and is the state agency required by law to ensure equal rights and services for all Californians with disabilities. DDS oversees and funds 21 different regional centers throughout the state laid out on the map here. And based on where someone's, someone lives, they're assigned to a regional center where they and their families can receive services and supports. Now, for conservatorships, we found that regional centers, along with doctors and schools, were three places that often encourage parents to conserve their child when they approach age 18. And during our investigation, what we were told over and over again was that parents were often told when their child turns age 18, they may not be able to handle all of the different aspects that come with adulthood, and that parents would basically be left out of any decision-making process because the individual with a disability is now an adult. And understandably, this caused a lot of alarm for parents, especially when it came to specifically making medical decisions. And many parents were left with the impression that the only way to therefore protect their child was to get conservatorship. But what we found in our investigation is that while many believed they were gaining control by getting conservatorship, in fact, they're really relinquishing control to the court system. Now, the court can both grant conservatorships or decide a parent or family member is not best suited to be their child's conservator and instead give conservatorship to another person or entity. And as we saw with those seven powers I introduced you to, whoever is placed as conservator has a lot of control, including determining who the person under the conservatorship is allowed to see. And we saw this result in the separation of families, both with limited and general conservatorships. And after a conservatorship was enacted and another person was appointed as conservator. Additionally, probate courts are inundated and overwhelmed, which means conservatorships are often being granted really fast, oftentimes within just minutes and without hearing directly from the person being conserved to ask what they really want for themselves. And while courts have the power to enact a conservatorship, they don't actually track the people they place under conservatorships. We found there's virtually no data or information kept on how many people are under conservatorships, both within California as well as nationwide. But what we did find out is that there is a fraction of people in California, about 415 individuals that are under conservatorship of the state agency, the Department of Developmental Services. And personally, when I first found that, this out, I was really surprised and asked the question there that, 
is at the bottom that really fueled a lot of our investigation, which is like, how can a massive $12 billion state agency be responsible for someone with very, very specific needs? Now, our investigation spent a lot of time focused on this, and we found if there is concern of allegations of abuse, that regional centers can recommend to the court that DDS be conservator to oftentimes get that individual out, out of what would be an abusive situation. And if the court grants it, the responsibilities of being conservator are then given back to the regional center. And those we spoke with who are in this situation have been separated from their loved ones since the conservatorship started because of those allegations of abuse. But we also found in these cases we surveyed that there's been no actual charges of abuse in a court of law or thorough investigations from law enforcement. Now, Deborah Finley is one of our sources. She is an example of all three of these findings. Here's an excerpt from episode two of our investigation of her. He used to be fully conversational and he's just a, a shell of a human being right now. This was not what she was expecting when she sought conservatorship nearly four years ago. You're told, you know, when your child, special needs child turns 18, you need to get a conservatorship. Experts we spoke with said there's a pipeline that leads to conservatorship, starting through school, doctors, or regional centers. The regional centers kind of pound that into parents too. Andrew has autism as well as other health conditions, requiring he has around-the-clock care, court records show. Had some challenges, but you know we had the best therapists in Northern California, best of everything. They thought they could continue this care with the conservatorship. She says they were blindsided. It was pretty much a done deal. In reality, the court was in control. We had no idea that something like this could happen. What the court received alongside Deborah's petition for conservatorship was a competing one from the Department of Developmental Services, which is known as DDS, saying that they should be conservator because Andrew's parents were allegedly abusive. DDS has continued to say throughout Andrew's life, his parents have interfered with his health, safety, and welfare, that they couldn't handle his growing aggression and weren't providing proper care. Deborah says she was never asked about this. Court-appointed investigator never interviewed us, um, still hasn't in three years. The court listened to DDS, granting them temporary conservatorship over Andrew in September 2019. We became legal strangers to my son. Um, he was treated like an orphan. Since the conservatorship process began, Deborah says for periods of time, she hasn't been told where her son is. It was a lot of nights of crying myself to sleep, going, where's my son? And, you know, is he alive? Is he dead? I don't know. Nobody would tell us. Seeing people like his mother may cause regression, DDS told the court, and that the court should not be swayed by impassioned pleas from family. It's inhumane, just absolutely inhumane. Information about her son is impossible to get. Yeah, I'm like, did he get my card? Oh, you have to ask the conservator. Which is a multi billion dollar state agency you have to ask them if your son got his mm -hmm. christmas card yeah 
Now, some of the families we interviewed actually had been cleared by abuse from adult protective services and law enforcement, but were still separated from their child and could not get out of the conservatorship despite an enormous amount of effort. So we wondered why in these cases is it so difficult for people like Deborah to really move the needle in any way regarding visitation of the conserved child or the big ask of actually reassessing the conservatorship. And what we discovered was a loop between multiple state agencies who are all funded by both taxpayer dollars and the Department of Developmental Services. Now, this is a really complicated system, and I'd really recommend watching the full investigation, especially episode two for the thorough rundown of this. But in short, regional centers nominate DDS to be conservator. Then if approved by the court, the duties of actually being conservator are returned to the regional center. And the conservatee is often then placed in a care facility or what's called a vendor funded by DDS. Now, Deborah and others are caught in this loop, which really makes it difficult to get any sort of help or assistance or steps taken to address the conservatorship or even the reasons behind the enactment of the conservatorship. And if you plan to fight the system like Deborah, you're up against California's attorney general, which many believe is also a conflict of interest. Here's why. Attorney general represents DDS. So there's the attorney general, there's DDS's lawyers, there's Tri-County's regional center lawyers. One of those is Andrew's own court-appointed attorney. The court approved he be paid over $13,000 by taxpayers for about 20 days of work. And he's just one of the many attorneys involved. Others came from the California Attorney General's office. The Assistant Attorney General, the two of them. Talk about a waste of taxpayer dollars. As a state agency in a court of law, the Department of Developmental Services is represented by California's Attorney General. It was daunting, I mean, to be in court <laughs> with the Attorney General. In cases like Deborah's, they represent DDS to defend the conservatorship. Coleman finds this hugely problematic. Because the Attorney General of California is the chief law enforcement officer of the state, including civil rights laws. State Department of Justice has a um, civil rights protection division. Protecting and promoting the civil rights of all people in California is this division's job, their website says. So the attorney general can intervene when the civil rights of people are being violated. What if the violator is a state entity like the Department of Developmental Services? Then the attorney general has a choice. You can't be a prosecutor and a defense attorney at the same time, right? It's a conflict of interest. We reached out to the attorney general's office. They said they won't go against state agencies they represent, one being the Department of Developmental Services. So in short, Deborah and others that are in this situation feel they really have nowhere to turn for help to fight a conservatorship. But she's not alone. Getting out of any type of conservatorship, whether that be conserved by DDS or a fiduciary or even a family member, our investigation found, is near impossible. That's because fighting a conservatorship is a lengthy legal battle that is expensive for everyone involved in a conservatorship, no matter the type. 
both limited or general. And what we found in season one of our investigation is that a lot of times attorneys and fiduciaries and the people who work around conservatorships get paid more the more the family members try to fight the conservatorship and bring people to court over and over. Now, at our time of filming, Deborah, who you saw, had spent over $300,000 in legal fees fighting the conservatorship. Other families we spoke with are dipping into their retirement savings to pay for legal fees. Now, our investigation also dug into the overall responsibilities of the Department of Developmental Services to the 400,000 plus Californians that they serve and how DDS and their regional centers play a crucial role when it comes to every single limited conservatorship in California. And how that is, is through their service coordinators. Service coordinators are the employees truly implementing DDS's services by having clients also known as cases, assigned to them and then working with them one-on-one -on -one to identify their specific needs and then get them the services that they require. Now, when it comes to limited conservatorships, these service coordinators play an incredibly important role because the coordinator is required to write an assessment of the person when the conservatorship's first being considered. Now, this assessment is, is an evaluation of all of the client's abilities, what areas they may need assistance with and more. And the assessment is basically a rundown of which of the seven powers within a limited conservatorship should be taken away. And the assessment also recommends whether a limited conservatorship should or should not be appointed. This assessment then goes directly to a court judge before they make their final decision enacting a conservatorship. So it's an incredibly important aspect for limited conservatorships. Now, we worked one-on-one -on -one with the California State Auditor who released an audit of DDS in June 2022, and that's who you'll see in this next video clip to, we, to um, he pops up there and he doesn't have the super, so just a heads up, but we worked with them to combine their findings on DDS's system and service coordinators overall, and then our findings on how this impacts limited conservatorships. So here's a look. From our investigation, we found a lot of issues stem from the fact that DDS has not changed how much they pay regional center service coordinators since 1991. DDS has basically budgeted these service coordinators at I think around $34,000 which obviously isn't enough. At max, coordinators are supposed to have 62 clients. For Sacramento's Alta Regional Center, the auditor found an average of 86 clients per coordinator, making it harder to care and provide adequate services for each client's unique needs. I think 80 was about my average. It's something Barbara Imel experienced firsthand as a service coordinator at multiple regional centers. And they're already overworked and underpaid. Severely underpaid. We found that DDS should really be budgeting these positions at $70,000 per position. So that's almost double what they're actually doing. Many coordinators left for better opportunities. The audit found that between 2020 and 2021, Alta Regional Center hired 71 new employees. 76 left. When coordinators aren't supported, the clients suffer, especially those conserved. That's because coordinators play a crucial role in limited conservatorships for people with disabilities. While the audit scope didn't include conservatorships, Barbara has been digging into this niche area. Because we have no national guidelines, so there's no information out there. Until her research. After working in two regional centers for nearly 10 years, Barbara left to instead study them. 
transferring between regional centers was really um, eye-opening to me. What her research found was that for California's 21 different regional centers, there are 21 different ways of doing things. It's a huge problem, particularly limited conservatorships. Coordinators have too much on their plates, and that impacts their ability to do assessments for limited conservatorships. For limited conservatorships, the coordinator writes an assessment recommending which specific power should be taken away from the person. The assessment also includes an overall recommendation of whether or not the conservatorship should be appointed. And that recommendation goes directly to a court judge before they make their final decision. Yet DDS provides no guidance or training on conservatorship assessments for its regional centers. They're virtually silent on limited conservatorships. There's just, there's nothing. Now, our investigation found many service coordinators are so busy and overwhelmed with cases, they're not actually meeting with the client one-on-one -on -one before writing that assessment, but instead just going through the client's case notes on a computer. Now, you heard in that video, there's 21 different regional centers and 21 different ways of doing things, which is showing up with these assessments because there's been no requirements or guidelines from DDS that coordinators have to meet in person with a client before being considered for a conservatory. So it's concerning is that assessment recommends a conservatorship. And as we've shown, conservatorships are nearly impossible to get out of. So likely if an assessment recommends a conservatorship to the judge, that person will have their rights taken away for their life without really hearing their voice once and desires beforehand. This is especially concerning with limited conservatorships in particular, because most people are around age 18 who are put under these types of conservatorships, while general conservatorships are mainly for the elderly. So they've had the majority of their lives obtaining their rights, while many placed under limited conservatorships will spend the rest of their lives with restricted rights. Now, these assessments are only required for limited conservatorships. It's an extra step with coordinators being overloaded. It adds to the time it takes to get all the conservatorship paperwork and legalities to the court, which is always a lot of work, right, with any kind of legal thing you're dealing with. Now, this is where our investigation uncovered a loophole where people are avoiding the extra step of that assessment by going to the court and requesting to have a general conservatorship enacted for an individual with a disability. And as I've explained, general conservatorships generally take away someone's civil rights completely, where limited are supposed to be tailored to the individual. So the fact this loophole is happening really defeats the entire purpose of California's unique conservatorship system. It also shows a flaw where it's easier to get a general, much more restrictive conservatorship than a limited one. And that's there's more scrutiny and steps when it comes to a limited conservatorship because they have to have that assessment done. And we figured, shouldn't there be equal, if not more scrutiny for general conservatorships too? Being placed under a general conservatorship instead of a limited one is what happened to Martin Bowie, the case we highlighted in episode four. We spoke with his brother there who's pictured down in the right and Martin's in that photograph there. And just a little background on Martin. Because of medical malpractice at birth, Martin had a traumatic brain injury. He doesn't have the ability to read, write, speak, or sit still, court records show. And he receives monthly stipends of a lot of money because of a settlement due to this malpractice. 
Now, the Bowie family actually decided to move to California because of our system for those with disabilities. But when they moved here and tried to get conservatorship, the court placed Martin under a general conservatorship of a professional fiduciary instead. And fiduciaries often get appointed to general conservatorships when families have disputes about who should be conservator or especially if there's issues over money. Now, this fiduciary decided to suddenly take Martin away from the home he lived in all his life with his family after he was hospitalized for having a bad reaction to anesthesia at a dentist appointment. The fiduciary then refused to tell his family where he was. Here's what happened. He asked the hospital, hey, where's Martin? He checked out. How can you check out? Who took him out? Contacting the conservator, she wouldn't respond. She wouldn't respond. Rather than answer, the conservator sent a photo. A photo was sent back to us with his socks rolled up, duct taped, boxing gloves taped to his arms, and a newspaper saying this is the date. It's almost like he was held hostage like in, in the 21st century. Boxing gloves duct taped to his skin. James says this is so Martin couldn't remove his clothes, like he often did because of a sensory processing disorder that makes him extremely sensitive to certain fabrics. Sensitive skin, eczema. Their mom had dealt with this much differently in the past. Went up to Joanne's fabrics, made him all this like special clothing so he would feel comfortable. When Martin was hospitalized after the dentist, the conservator said she seized the opportunity and removed Martin to a private residence and requested the family not to visit until the client adjusts to the new routine. So, and we got to fight this in court and then now we have to lawyer up. We're spending money out of pocket you know, for this to kind of fight this system that we thought that was there for us an expensive legal battle. But those representing Martin, like his conservator, the conservator's attorney, and Martin's court-appointed attorney are paid through Martin's estate, all from his 27,000 plus a month. The person that we're advocating for has to foot the bill for everybody. And you make you wonder, well, what, whose interest is at, is at stake here? For the last eight years, the Bowie family has continued to fight Martin's conservatorship. We would not wish this on anybody. This is not what we thought California would be. You know? Today, Martin has a new fiduciary, but still lives in a care facility under a general conservatorship. Now, obviously, this is an extreme case, and not all conservatorships end this way. And many do really benefit the individual that's placed under the conservatorship. But for our investigation, we dug into the system that surrounds it to show how broken it is and how it is very susceptible to hurting the very people it's supposed to protect. Now, I've really highlighted just a few of the many findings our investigation uncovered and would really recommend, again, anyone to who wants to know more about conservatorships, is considering one, or even works within this field as an, and is entrusted with some of the conservatorship proceedings to watch our investigation in its entirety. We'll provide the links at the end of this invest or in the end of this presentation. But to come up with all the findings our investigation uncovered, we had to obtain and read hundreds of court documents, as you can see in the photo here. Those included confidential court documents and medical records. We worked with the California State Auditor 
coordinator, doctoral researchers, experts and advocates, DDS and regional center insiders, and families who are experiencing conservatorship. And we also attended a number of conservatorship court hearings. Additionally, every aspect of this investigation was vetted legally. We spent years digging into this system and have spoken with hundreds impacted and that work within that work within this system, both in and off the on and off the record. I also wanted to talk about how we at ABC 10 always ensure fair and accurate journalism. For nearly a year, we repeatedly asked the Department of Developmental Services for an interview and received a no answer over and over. Now, pictured at the top there, you can see we also ended up approaching their one of their attorneys after court, truly to try and give their side an opportunity to share as well as a voice. Also, I know I mentioned how our investigative team is unlike any other in the nation. A part of that is how we handle our reporting findings. Many investigative reporters really hold their findings close to their chest before they go to air or they publish. And we don't do that because we want to ensure both sides have the opportunity to truly understand what we'll be reporting on and make sure that they have the opportunity to give their input. That's why a couple of weeks before releasing our investigation, we sent a DDS a letter with all of our investigations findings listed out. We also asked them to answer 15 specific questions in that letter. And I want to clarify, we understand sometimes information is confidential when it comes to specific cases, but a lot of the questions we had for DDS were about the system and how it's operating, which is something that they are responsible for. Now, we really wanted to include their voice inside, but they did not answer any of our questions. But even today, we remain open and would love to do an interview with DDS. Now, I am proud to say our investigation was credited for helping get the bill AB 1663 passed and written into California law. This is first of its kind legislation and was sponsored by Assemblymember Mainshine, who's pictured there at the bottom, who we interviewed a number of times. This bill aims to reform the conservatorship system a number of ways and wrote the concept of supported decision making into California law for the first time. Judy Mark, the president of Disability Voices United, was a voice in our fifth and final episode. And I believe she and other panelists are diving much deeper into what exactly supported decision making is. But in short, for our purposes here, it's a tool that allows people with disabilities to choose trusted supporters to help them make choices. Now, Marie Burgum was the individual we focused our fifth and final episode of this investigation on. She's the only person I, as well as a number of advocates we spoke with, know of that's been able to get out of a conservatorship. And she uses what she calls her team of people that implement the idea of supported decision-making. So here's a look at how supported decision-making works and what AB 1663 aims to do. And just a heads up, this episode was broadcasted before the bill was passed. So it'll be referring to as it hasn't been signed yet, but it actually went into law on January 1st of this year. We call this the last civil rights movement because you would never say a person should have all their rights taken away because of their race, because of the language they speak, because of their gender. But now we're seeing people can have all their rights taken away just because they have a disability. The bill aims at changing California's conservatorship system in four main ways. In addition to supported decision-making, the bill would require probate courts to prove conservatorship is truly the last resort. The bottom line for AB 1663 is that it makes it harder to get into conservatorships and easier to get out of them. 
The bill aims at making conservatorships easier to terminate. The individual will know there may come a time when it's no longer necessary and they have the right to ask to have their conservatorship removed. It'll also make sure that a hearing is required at that time on the request of the conservatee. And ensures the person conserves desires are upheld. A judge will have to make sure that the individual has been advised of their rights. Now, Department of Developmental um, Insiders we spoke with also credited our investigation for reform initiatives the state agency announced for how they handle conservatorships just days before our investigation aired. The initiatives included forming a national and state panel to review their conservatorship program and review every single one of those 415 individuals conserved by DDS. It also planned to make amendments to the regional center contracts and review its requirements. And we're continuing our investigation into conservatorships as well as the Department of Developmental Services. So we'll make sure to report if these initiatives were implemented and if they've made a difference. Now, I know the slide is very busy, but before I dig into it, I want to say I know a number of people watching and attending this panel are intertwined and work for the system that we investigated. So I do want to address how we all have our own perspectives from our own experiences. And I hope anyone watching can see that any entity that works in the dark and behind closed doors, especially state agencies operating by way of billions of taxpayer dollars and entrusted with the lives of others, needs to be held accountable and be transparent. Reporting on conservatorships is really difficult. There's a lot of obstacles and confidentiality that get in the way of transparency. And I'm really grateful to ABC 10 that they allow their journalists to take months and years to really investigate a story and ensure accurate and fair coverage. And I think that's shown through the response that we received. Our assignment desk was inundated with calls from people who are in conservatorship situations. And I received hundreds of emails, some of which I included in the text here. And I think they really show there's a clear pattern here. And the cases we highlighted are just a few out of hundreds. All of this is to say holding state and government entities accountable is important. And that's what we then that's what we believe our investigation has done and will continue to do to ensure people with developmental disabilities rights are being upheld. And with that, I will end with how to actually watch all five episodes of our investigation. They're available on the ABC 10 YouTube page. If you go to our YouTube channel, it's the first playlist right there. And each of the episodes has a number in the title. You can also watch season one there. And you can also simply just go to abc10.com slash the price of care. And that will direct you to our landing page where all the episodes are also available. Additionally, our station's really committed to something called solutions-based journalism. So we wanna ensure while we're reporting uncovers broken systems or problems, we also dig into what's being done to fix the problems. So we, we created a resources article for anyone learning about conservatorships, navigating them, or wanting information on advocates, experts, and leaders to reach out to. And that link will also be available in the main article and sent out after this panel, or I believe, in the chat. So with that, thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure to talk about this, and I will send it back to Dr. Kripke. Thank you so much, Andy, for that powerful presentation. Um, there's a lot of interest in learning more in the in the chat, so I'll ask you some of the questions. Uh, the first question, how many conservatorships does California DDS hold? 
That is a great question. Um, as I kind of mentioned, there's no data being gathered. Um, it kind of seems like every entity involved in the conservatorship process, you know, whether that be attorneys or courts or, you know, DDS in, in certain situations, no one is collecting data on that. So everyone kind of points the finger. But um, for us, we were really surprised to find out that courts were not um, collecting that kind of data since they're the ones who enact the conservatorship. So that's a long-winded way of saying, unfortunately, we don't know how many people are conserved. But um, Tom Coleman of the Spectrum Institute has been trying to gather data along with other advocates out there. And, you know, we believe it's thousands. Uh, so yeah, that's a great question. For DDS specifically, who they conserve, it's around 415 individuals. As we learned this morning, you can't have good policy without data. So that, that's an important thing to highlight. Um, an, another question is, hi, Andy, thank you for your amazing work. Um, I, I know an individual is still driving back and forth from Sacramento to San Luis Obispo for short visits in the middle of each week. Her case and that of other families are still stuck uh, with their family members trapped in their with their loved ones under a paid guardianship. Do you have suggestions for action for these families? Should we now that we should now take now that uh, since the system is broken for them and w w when we have this new legislation, AB 1663, uh, that will help so many, um, it's not likely to specifically change these circumstances or, or can it? Yeah, I think that's a great question. Um, my advice would be to really watch our investigations. You know, as a journalist, I feel like it's my job to dig into the system and uncover what's happening, but I can't actually give, you know, legal advice or anything. But I think watching the full investigations, there's so many different advocates and experts we spoke to who could really answer, you know, give more advice. And that's also why we created that resources article I mentioned. Um, but as for AB 1663, that was going to be my other thing um, to look at is kind of these new laws that are being passed, um, I think that they will help kind of create change. And they're also tools that you could maybe use within the court system or talk about with your attorney of how that changes, how maybe someone would um, address a conservatorship or the rights of a conservator or, or things like that. So I would dig into uh, kind of the uh, specifics of those laws. Thank you. Um, an another Another person says that many of the regional centers are are involved in alternatives to conservatorship, and they quote, ARCA believes that supported decision-making represents a promising alternative to conservatorship. It enables adults with disabilities to maintain authority over their own lives while encouraging them to identify, create, and maintain supportive communities that can assist them with making informed decisions. So, um, so in, in your investigation, did you find that regional centers also supported, supported decision-making or that they were always, always advocating for conservatorships? Yeah, that's a great question. And ARCA was actually part of our investigation. We went and interviewed them and they specifically helped us dig into some of those specifics and how DDS's budget worked. So the question is, um, do you, can you repeat the question for me? Uh, just uh, did you find that regional centers were advocating for conservatorship or that many of them were trying to move towards and support people in supported decision making? 
Yeah, I think, uh, you know, again, even though ARCA and DDS has kind of maybe statements about what should be done, what we found was that each of the regional centers was operating very differently. So I think overall, I can't answer that question because it kind of depends on the regional center. It depends on the service coordinator. It depends on how busy they are. Um, I think also supported decision-making is a very new concept. So a lot of these different entities are kind of starting to implement it maybe, or really starting to just learn about it. So that could be something that we're starting to see now, especially now that DDS created more of those reforms after our investigation came out. But again, what we really found was that each regional center was operating differently because DDS did not give them policies and guidelines and protocol for every single overall regional center. That's a good point. Uh, one person says, as a regional center physician, I've always believed and taught that serv- taught the service coordinators that the Lanterman Act exists to replace the conservatorship, conservatorship system. If people are not conserve? Do we have systems in place to provide them support through the Lanterman Act? Uh, is, is this necessary in order for people to get services and supports and help and help with their decision making? I think that's a really, really good question that I would love to dig into more. What we found with the Lanterman Act is that it did not really have any guidelines, did not really cover conservatorships at all. I think we found there was like one or two lines that discussed conservatorships. So with that, I don't know if there's enough information in the Lanterman Act to give those specifics. And obviously, with all the legalities that come with conservatorships of taking someone's rights and giving them to another person, you know, it gets really complicated with, oh, can we just go by this other way? But I think that that's really what we're starting to have a discussion about and what these bills that are being uh, proposed and passed in California legislation are taking a look at is what are the other options here? Does the Lanterman Act, you know, support these other ways of looking at it and other ways of helping people live the lives that they want to, but also getting assistance that they need. That That's a good point. I, I think a lot of families pursue conservatorship because they think it will give them more choice and control, but under the Lanterman Act, parents actually have a lot of rights um, they retain a lot of rights, even for adults. And with conservatorship, you're actually handing the rights that you have to a judge who can do it, you know, who doesn't necessarily know anything about disability, doesn't necessarily know anything about your family, and gets to make these very impactful decisions. Um, uh, So that's something to think about. For sure. I think like too going off of that, you know, it could be for the person who was asking, who was um, going from San Luis Obispo to Sacramento and back and asking about conservatorships, that could be something for them to really look into is, you know, what does the Lanterman Act do? And, you know, it could not support them in another way instead. So I think that's a great point. So, and if it's okay, if I could jump in here, I, I think this may be a little bit of a summary of some of the other questions that uh, people have posed, but so if there are 415 individuals conserved by DDS, there, there are other people who are not conserved by DDS. And do we know what happens to the others? 
Yeah, so there's 415 people that are conserved by DDS. What what the data we don't have on is oftentimes it's parents who are going and getting conservatorship. Um, you know, also with general conservatorships, it's oftentimes fiduciaries um, or, you know, if there's those siblings of the parent that aren't getting along, they'll oftentimes appoint fiduciaries or even a guardian ad litem. So those are the conservatorships we don't have the numbers on. But yeah, the majority of conservatorships are a parent or legal guardian is appointed. It's these specific cases that are the 415 with the Department of Developmental Services. But again, we just don't have, no one's keeping track of that data of how many conservatorships are being, being enacted statewide or nationally. So I don't have an answer to that, but I think that shows that you know the system is broken because we're not keeping track of that data. And then a sort of a related question, which is, so if, if, no, if conservatorship is not done, um, uh, then what, what happens? Uh, uh, let's say a, a, a child is now an adult and is 22 years old and um, is not conserved. Yeah, I mean, um, I think the, con- the concern behind getting conservatorship for a lot of parents is that my understanding is that they're they're not going to be part of that decision making process for the for their child and a lot of times you know they take issue with that because there's a lot of doctors appointments or medical things or prescriptions that you know might be really complicated to understand so you know i think that that's kind of the premise of supported decision-making is having a parent or a supported team around them that's helping them make those decisions. So a conservatorship does not have to be enacted. So um, yeah, that's kind of my understanding of supported decision-making and why that is such an important concept that's coming up and has now been written into state law for the first time in our state's history. Thank you. I can also speak a little bit to that as a physician who cares for medically fragile adults with developmental disabilities. The majority of them are, it's very difficult to to tell their will and preference uh, because of the communication disabilities that they have and cognitive disabilities that they have. And very few of them are conserved um, and it works just fine. Uh, We work as a team with the regional center, family, service providers, whoever's in their life and come to consensus. And, uh, and we, you know, we, I've never felt like we needed a conservatorship in order to make their medical decisions or to make things work. They're representative payees. There's lots of different ways of managing it. And, and there are certainly the vast majority of regional center clients are not conserved, um, even people who clearly need a lot of support or total support to to make decisions and and it it works just fine. Um, and I'm sure you can find cases where something has gone wrong, but um, but overall, uh, the reason why they're not conserved is because it's working. Um, um, let's see. Uh, there's a comment. Thank you for raising the real issues of and of the systemic issues and the the fact that the regional center is so understaffed and underpaid and the turnover is so high that that really impacts um, the the ability for the regional center to to provide the the advocacy, um, both individual. Uh, 
one person saying what one individual I've worked with recently had money misappropriated by a fiduciary. And because he's nonverbal, there was no action taken until a conservatorship request was made. You talk about cases where conservatorship might help someone to get out of an abusive situation. Sure. Yeah. You know, I think, as I said, you know, there is a lot of different cases here. And a lot of times conservatorship is a great result for people. Um, I would I would encourage that person to watch season one of our investigation um, because we dealt a lot with fiduciaries and attorneys um, that were uh, misappropriating funds quite often. So, yeah, I mean, with that, I, you know, there, there's going to be examples of both sides and oftentimes with conservatorships, especially general conservatorships, because they're more uh, focused on that finance aspect. It could be a problem. It could be a way to, uh, you know, get that resolved, but there's also a lot of different options um, with, you know, getting assistance, especially when it comes to finances and things like that. So um, yeah, I think, I think what they're referring to is under general conservatorships, you can also get it. So your finances are taken care of as a part of that. So I think that's what they're referring to. So I'm glad it worked out for that person. That's great. Um, There are other ways also to protect people's finances through authorized representatives and representative payees and uh, trusts and and other other mechanisms to provide that support. Um, Another question was wonderful presentation. I wanted to ask if regional centers can ask for conservatorship process to begin, even if the family doesn't have an interest in doing it and doesn't request one. That would be a good question for the regional centers. It's my understanding that uh, before they turn 18, is the question if they can recommend a conservatorship or if they can get that process started? Get the process started. Uh, if they, I mean, that's what we found was if there is allegations of abuse, they can recommend DDS be conservator. So, yes. Um, th- another person said, as a regional center employee, I am grateful to not to not have seen anything at work except compassion, ethical and highly individualized care despite high caseloads and low pay. And yes, the system needs information and reformation too. Thank you. So um, I'm hearing a lot of appreciation for the issues that you've raised, even, um, even though I think all of us who are working on this issue and on behalf of, of clients are um, are recognize our problems, but want to be re- reflective and be part of the solution. And, and you've given us a forum for having that conversation and the Q and A is, is um, full of that energy. So clearly this is a topic we need to talk about more. And, and I want to really thank yeah, you. Yeah. For- thank you for whoever without that comment was really kind for sure. Yeah. And again, you know, a lot of people are doing really incredible work and, a lot of hard work and handling a lot of different cases. So we definitely were trying to show that, but we're also trying to show, you know, when there is issues that arise, the system is set up in a way where, you know, people can fall through the cracks and harm can happen. So that was really the, you know, the aim of ours is showing this system is, is not working the way it should. But yeah, thank you for that comment. That was really nice. 
And if I could jump in also, and I, I read through some of the other questions, and I think uh, parents who are attending this, uh, especially those who've already had their uh, child conserved, are now worried. Oh, did you know? Did we make a mistake? Uh, and so I don't think you're saying that the conservatorship itself is an issue, but that if you have a conservatorship system where the um, DDS is the conservator, that's what you had focused on. But that there are sort of non-DDS conservators who are parents, and we don't know what what the uh, what outcomes there are. Is that accurate? Uh, no, we focused on both. We focused on you know how the system works. We focused on we definitely focused on DDS being conservator, but we also focused on you know problems within the system of anyone under a limited conservatorship or trying to get one. So we're certainly not trying to scare anyone or, you know, question anyone's things. But I think for us, we found once a conservatorship is enacted, you think you're getting control. And a lot of times that works great, but it is under the the harsh reality is the court is actually in control and can change that conservatorship or they can choose someone else to be a conservator if there's allegations of abuse. And I think the concerning factor there we found is that there's not really thorough investigations into going into these allegations where someone else is then placed as conservator. But again, there's a lot of conservatorships that are working the way they should, but we're highlighting the system as a whole for both limited conservatorships, general conservatorships, and those specific conservatorships of DDS being conservator, which is those 415 specific people. Thank you so much for having me. And I appreciate everyone taking the time. And, um, you know, I hope everyone watches the investigation. If you want more information, it's It's definitely chock full of information on all these different topics. You've been listening to a podcast by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at uctv.tv.